0: Hi, I'm Angela and welcome to the Mood Board Podcast. Thank you everybody for your patience. I'm so excited. We are gonna be kicking off our spring-summer series. We're gonna be talking to a lots of people, lots of tastemakers. I'm really gonna be digging into renovation discussions. So I'm excited this week to be kicking it off with the founder of Woven Home. Uh, Davina Ogilvie, and we are going to be talking all things custom window treatments. Any of you who have recently moved into a home, downsizing, moving in with other family members, you have found that window treatments tend to be an issue that keep coming up. Something that you keep saying, I don't have room for on my budget, but every day you go, I really need to address this. Um, So I really thought I wanted to talk with Davina about this issue that I feel like even myself as a new homeowner, I keep saying, Man, I've got to address the window treatments. And the biggest issue is how many windows are end up being in your home. So even if you get quoted for one, you have to say, let me quote that times five or times ten. Um, and definitely get stuck with some sticker shock. So I want to talk to her about how she got into the window treatment business as well as other custom items that she's also dug into with her business. And um, what is woven home offering that's different than what's already out in the marketplace? many people have been asking me how can they support my business and let me tell you if you're listening to this podcast you are already on the right path so just make sure that you subscribe and share it with your friends and family but a second thing you can do is sign up for my skillshare class the art of styling your room how to create a mood board in less than 15 minutes you will have all the tools you need to begin to design your dream space I will also provide feedback on Skillshare and share students' work on my Instagram feed. So on that note, let's get started with the show. Hello, Davina. Thank you so much for coming on the Moodboard podcast. I'm really excited to connect with you. You know, I know you have a busy schedule right now. um, So I just wanted to really dig in and learn so much about, you know, your business, Woven Home. You're the founder of it. I know that you opened this business in 1999. It deals with custom window treatments, as well as I've seen you also do custom pillows or some other custom options as well with your business. And I really just wanted to share with first-time listeners, you know, what's the best way to describe Woven Home? Uh, Well, that was a really good
1: description. Thank you, Angela. Uh, We focus on custom window treatments, primarily uh, drapes, Roman shades, but we also do hardware and pillows, as you mentioned. Uh, We sell mostly online on our website, wovenhome.com. We source, you know, really high-end beautiful Belgian linen from Belgium, uh, directly from the mill. We design Beautiful patterns that are exclusive uh, to Woven Home and everything's made in America in North Carolina. And so, um, you know, I think we focus on designer quality window treatments, but um, You know, purchased online making the experience
0: a lot more seamless and user friendly. Yes, absolutely. So one of my first questions is I really want to get up of get into really the question of how you grew up Living abroad and then came to the US to study at Harvard. And I really wanted to know about your experiences of one living abroad, coming into the U.S., and then really getting into the fashion industry. How did that all come together?
1: Yeah, so you're right. I grew up abroad. I grew up in Bangkok. My mother was Thai. My father was from is from Boston, a New Englander. And I think um, you know that experience growing up abroad, to you know, being mixed race, a Thai mother and an expat father, was just a huge impact on me. I think, um, and in terms of my design and fashion sense, that that beautiful mix of sort of Eastern influences mixed with um, Western is just something that I've noticed is kind of this constant throughout my life in terms of what um, design, decor, fashion I'm attracted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I went to Harvard, I studied anthropology, which I think, again, ties to this fascination with the mix of cultures Mm. um you know that that was a really really interesting major was it related to anything i've done since in my career not necessarily i don't think it i don't think it hurts me to have a good understanding of civilizations and cultures around the world but it wasn't directly tied to fashion but i um i've always had kind of an analytical mind but been very interested in um the creative world and I'm very much energized by being in a creative environment, whether that's me doing something or the folks around me. So that's what really drew me into the fashion industry where I spent um, you know, 12, 14, 13, 14 years of my uh, career before launching Woven Home.
0: Yeah, and I'll say you're not alone with, you know, I feel like so many of us, we've all gone to college and we've either studied one thing and then we're like, I'm not applying it at all. Um, or you come in thinking you're gonna study one thing and leave doing another. I originally came to college, and I was going to study to be political science. I was going to be a congresswoman. Uh, then I met my husband in art class, and like by the end was just like full art school person. Like that was my life. Um, so, you know, it just never works out exactly as we planned. Well, but, and at least it sounds like we both study things we were interested in. So yeah. <laughs> um, at least it was fun while we did it. It was. I'm like, there are still things it's good for me to know about the world, politics. Mm-hmm. I understand how all of that works. I'm like, but I'm not gonna be a congresswoman. It's not a okay for me. <laughs> One of my questions, too, since you were saying how you were in the fashion industry for almost 15 years, you know, what really brought you to transition to the to the home sector? You know, where did that kind of fall into it? So I've always been interested in the home, um, the home space. Um,
1: when I was growing up in Thailand, my mother just Poured her heart into, you know, decorating our home. Um, so whether it was sort of there or living in the various rentals I've lived in New York, um, I've really always cared to make my space my own and beautiful. And I sometimes I wonder, is it because of this, you know, severe lack of space that I have everywhere I've lived in New York? Is that why I care so much? But, you know, even fresh out of college, I painted my walls, you know, I've almost always invested in custom window treatments, which is, you know, a high percentage of your income when you're 25 or something like that. So um, it's definitely something that I love. And I think that's because my mother sort of uh, surrounded me with beautiful things in our home. And I think because potentially space is so... Um, coveted in New York and so uh, and then within the home decor window treatments has always stuck out to me as kind of this pain point you know I think um, I remember in that place I lived right out of college in my first apartment my uh, best friend would tape up newspaper to her window because you know she couldn't figure out what to do you know ex- custom was so expensive the yeah. you know the s- options at the mass chain stores didn't really work And then when I, it was funny, because then years later, when I moved in with my now husband, he had um, these beautiful windows with a blind, you know, kind of a roller blind that only went partway, and then filled the gap with a whole bunch of college textbooks. And I said, you know, what's going on here? And he said, well, I went to big chain store, and I just got the dimensions that were closest to the window. And I thought, but but you went smaller instead of bigger. Yeah. (laughs) So it, you know, it was clear to me that this was a particular category in home, in the home world that um, could utilize, you know, I think a new perspective, um, sort of focusing on the user experience and, and making it more digestible to the average consumer.
0: Yeah. And I would say anyone who, you know, a listener or has really gotten into one of your treatments. We just recently moved into a new home and we're going through those, those pain points ourselves. I mean, window treatments are very important and it's not just from an aesthetics, you know, it's, it's keeping your house warm, it's keeping privacy from your neighbors, but so- the cost is insane. I mean, we live in a colonial from the 1930s, you know, not everything is going to fit the dimensions of what you're going to find for ready-made Um, and even when we had our apartment, um, not long ago, we actually made our own window treatments. Oh, wow. And I will tell you, that was a nightmare. I mean, they look great, but we went through so much pain making them and cutting fingers and... I am in awe that you made your own window treatments. That's awesome. I I will never make these Roman shades again. People are like, they're beautiful. I'm like, it's great. It's never going to happen again. (laughs) I would never do this for anybody. Never. (laughs) It is very (laughs) labor intensive. So when people, you know, ask
1: why do they cost so much, um, you know, I, there's a lot that goes into the labor, the parts, obviously the fabric is a big component, especially for drapery. Um, but we try to make it as attainable as possible, but it's still, you know, it's a different price point than a, and, than a chain store for sure.
0: Absolutely. and I think also when people look at your price points, like I think at first, if you're not familiar with shopping with custom drapery, you may be shocked. Other people who are in the industry, that is a very reasonable price of exactly. what custom drapery is and that your lead times are under a month. Um, is also great because that's another difficulty I feel like especially now in the interior design industry our lead times are long you know even oh, for right. yeah, I know especially these days uh, but yeah we we stock our fabrics um, so we're
1: able to get great pricing on our fabric because we purchase it directly from the mill and in bulk and then uh, in turn that also cuts down on the lead time which I know is um, you know when you're selling directly to consumer in addition to designers um, often the, in, the consumers are less familiar with kind of that weight that is more typical. So I think that's really important if, if you're gonna service um, both designers and direct to consumer.
0: Well, on that note, let's take a break. When it comes to finishing a room, most people forget about the styling. Even when people buy the whole room setting from the showroom, You guys remember that showrooms? Ugh, those were the good old days. You'd often come home, set it all up, and then ask yourself, why doesn't it look as good as it did in the store? Well, the secret is because it hasn't been styled. But don't worry, I've got you covered. Check out my Skillshare class, The Art of Styling Your Room, How to Create a Mood Board. And in less than 15 minutes, you will have all the tools you need to begin to design your dream space. Sign up for Skillshare.com and I will post your work on my Instagram feed. So one of the things I really wanted to talk about, um, I think just in general, when I think about window treatments, I think about the business, I think about larger companies really taking on this sector. So I wanted to know, you know, as an Asian American woman, what have been some of the hurdles you've really had to overcome to be successful in this competitive marketplace? Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, I think, I've entered an industry, both window treatments and design in general, that, um, you know, I I haven't come across many Asian people represented in the space. And so what I hope I can do by, you know, sharing my perspective and my point of view, uh, both in the design sense, uh, being influenced from growing abroad in Asia, but also just, you know, in the way I sort of interact with others, I hope I can sort of lift up you know, other people of sort of Asian American background, but also just sort of bring more exposure and highlight more kind of um, that we're in the industry too. We might have a different design sense or, you know, perspective, but um, I think just being represented in this industry is 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 going to be important. I mean, I, I look around and uh, love my colleagues, but they're, you know, pri- primarily white. And so I think... Um, there's a lot of opportunity in this industry to have more voices, more, you know, design senses kind of represented. I think that's good for everyone. Yeah. Um, So I hope I can be a part of that.
0: Yeah, no, and I think in general, I think that is all, I think even it's like a personal feeling I have for myself. I currently brought on um, an intern who's Black and she wants to get into interior design and similar to you, she was saying, you know, there's just not a lot of people that look like me and having that feeling and so I'm trying to take her under my wing because I feel like if there's nothing else I can teach her, it's just to show her like there are other people that are like you that, that can do this and we can thrive in the industry. Absolutely. And kind of showing her the ins and outs of, you know, you can get a magazine, you can get these things and, and these opportunities. It's just, you know, I'll you got to find your allies. That's all. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a and project. share share
1: your, your vision, share your look. You know, sometimes um, I've worried in the past, oh, this is a little bit too... Ethnic, my, you know, this this pattern might be a little too, a little too Asian in origin, but you know, ultimately, that's a huge part of my life. I'm very, I love that East meets West look, as as I said, and so, um, you know, I hope sharing that, and you can kind of see that in some of the designs um, on our fabrics, you know, and I hope just to
0: sort of inspire others with with that kind of different um, design sensibility. I think also when you own your own business, it does help because I think with your background, like you said, you've worked for a very big retail companies such as J J.Crew. Um, when you do those type of brands, you do kind of box and say, okay, well, this is what would work for a J Crew brand. You know, this isn't necessarily, you know, what Davina would do, but that's, you know, you kind of do that. I worked for um, a company by the name of Room and Board and I worked for them for mm-hmm. 10 years. Wow. Um, and so I always kind of had my box of like, this is what, what the brand would be. And like, I would love to do this, but like, that's, too far out and now kind of having my own business i'm like okay like now like the box is open you know i can give like all of angela not just the compartmental side but like that
1: i mean that's the thing about having your own business I, i you know this is i launched woven home a year and a half ago this is now you know everything i i do and i care about and it's so it's like an extension of yourself when you have your own business right it's um and it's your baby it's your joy it's uh but it feels very personal. And so I think, you know, I've, I've often hesitated with that balance of, you know, how much do I share about myself? How interested are people in, you know, the person behind the brand? But um, ultimately, I am the brand and the brand
0: is me and for, at this stage. And <laughs> so it's all, sort of all consuming, but in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my last question before we get into the interior design game is, you know, I want to talk about how have you been able to really connect with customers during COVID? Um, Like you said, you built your business in 2019, then 2020, we all went through some craziness, we're coming out of it a little bit, you know, how have you been able to build the business during this time?
1: Yeah, well, so when I did launch the business, I was uh, working full-time at a corporate job and pregnant, and then eventually had my son, and then what happened was it was March last year, sort of at the beginning of COVID, I was, you know, super into my Zoom. I was presenting something for my corporate job, my, and, you know, doing woven on the side. My son got completely wedged under the sofa. I was talking on my Zoom and then I hear this squeal and I like flipped out. Luckily he was fine. Mm-hmm. The presentation had to hold. But that was sort of this wake up call when I was like, you know, I can't give 100% to a a job, Woven, and having, you know, a small toddler, Um, and that's, and then that combined with um, demand and sales really starting to grow much more with, uh, you know, as people were home with COVID for Woven, that prompted me to leave my corporate job, focus on Woven full-time, and honestly, that's been the best thing I've done, you know, f- for the business to be able to connect with customers. Cause now I'm, you know, all day sort of interacting directly with customers, which is a huge part mm-hmm. of, you know, what I enjoy. And I think what matters to be able to, you know, deal, you know, firsthand with customer service, you know, sort of feedback, because I learned so much that I can incorporate into the business and I can see what matters to people. But I would say, you know, COVID wise, the best thing I've done for the business was was dedicate myself full time to it um, about a year ago now because that's it's really helped
0: kind of mm-hmm. boost. Yeah, patient. not dividing yourself so much. I will say the children they they really force you to do some real grown up things. Oh God, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm They're like so I'm cute. They're so. Cute. Cute. <laughs> They're so <laughs> <arty>. <laughs> that's that's how they get you. You look at their face. You're like you look like a little me. <laughs> yeah, yes. but so man. You're like it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I currently I have one who's in 3rd grade and then I've got one in my belly right now who's kicking me during this interview.
1: Oh, congratulations.
0: Um, up call. Thank you.
1: You have a lot of energy for a pregnant. I mean, you're you're good at
0: being pregnant. I'm impressed. I was I could not be doing what you're doing right now. <laughs> I'm good now. We've hit like we've hit past morning. So like afternoons are good. Mornings we were not so agreeable. He's he's done with me then. <laughs> Rock. It is. It's definitely different. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to go to our interior design game. So I pulled together some questions. I know I posted on Instagram yesterday asking people for some thoughts. But I've definitely done something about window treatments a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of people just say they just don't even know where to start when it comes with them. So I just wanted to pull some questions that I thought you could help us get some answers on. So should you hang drapery on a window that has a radiator below it? Um, Uh, Great question, especially in New York where there's often
1: a radiator and a beautiful window. So you know the answer is twofold. If you're looking for stationary drapes, you don't actually need them to be operable or functional. It's more about how they look and they're just framing the window.
0: Mm -hmm. Then
1: drapery works and and look beautiful. But uh, most of the time when you're investing in custom window treatments, you also want them to be practical and functional. And so um, therefore I usually recommend Roman shades for that type of window, just because uh, the radiator would interfere with being able to open and close the Sorry, the
0: drape the radiator would interfere with being able to open and close the drapes easily. Yeah. It's kind of like this is the thing with our home. Everywhere where something would be perfect, there's a radiator. Mm-hmm. I'm like these old houses kill me. <laughs> I'm in a free war rental in New York
1: and there's underneath all these beautiful windows is just some huge radiator that's a real
0: eyesore and not helpful when you're really into no. window treatments. No, it's terrible. <laughs> So what type of window treatment should you think about hanging on French doors or glass doors that transitions from one room to another?
1: So ideally drapery, uh, that's usually if there's, you know, space on either side of the door for the drapery to stack back when it's completely pulled open. Mm -hmm. That's the ideal scenario. And the most important thing uh, when considering drapery for that type of door is just make sure you have enough room on either side, you know, you have a rod uh, long enough so that you can really um, stack the drapery out of the way of the doors when you're not using it and Mm -hmm. they don't interfere with sort of opening and closing the door easily. You can also use um, Roman shades outside mounted um, around the, you know, on the, out of the glass of the, outside of the glass. Um, One thing to consider is You know, on the back of that shade, you would see the mechanism and the strings. So, um, you know, if the French door is into the garden, Roman shades might work really well. If it's between rooms and you don't want to see the back of a shade in the other room, then maybe drapes are better.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think about that, the other rooms. Um, What type of window treatment lining do you normally recommend for a bedroom?
1: always blackout, hands down. I mean, it's just, unless you want to wake up to light, but most of us love, you know, dark rooms to sleep in, and it feels like you're in a hotel. I mean, it's just a game changer to have really, really, um, blackout line drapes or Roman shades, and, and you just sleep like a baby.
0: <laughs> but they sleep so much. Yes. So jealous. <laughs> Um, what is a window treatment no-no in your book? Like, just things like, don't do that. I see this happen all the time, and it's bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a few, but definitely, you know, do not mount your drapery too low. So, I think there's this um, sort of habit among people who are unfamiliar with window treatments to kind of install their drapery just above the top of the window or the French door. Um, generally, you wanna go, um, you know, at least eight inches above the top of the the window. I mean, the higher often the better, not in every case. Um, if there's not a huge amount of space between the top of your window and the ceiling, you could even mount your rod just underneath the ceiling. And mm-hmm. what this does is sort of, um, you know, draw the eye up, making your, your, room look like it has a higher ceiling and it also just makes the whole, um, window a little bit grander and frames it really nicely. So that's, that's probably the number one thing that is just, you know, so easily to do,
0: easy to do right and a little bit low and it just has a whole different effect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, is there anything you want to like share with people like, hey, the best way to connect with you, anything like that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we have a live chat feature on our website. Um, Someone's always sort of responding directly to folks there. Um, You can always email me directly, Davina at wovenhome.com. And we offer complimentary virtual consultations, which are really a good way to get started if, um, you know, this is an unfamiliar territory for you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That's our interview. Thank you. Well, I hope you really enjoyed our conversation. And if you are still struggling with window treatments, you need advice and help, I hope these tips and tricks helped you. Make sure that you check out Davina's website at wovenhome.com. That's W-O-V-N is in Nancy, home, all one word. And make sure that you share this conversation with your friends and family and be sure to subscribe. So get out there, have some fun, and make sure that you're staying safe. Bye-bye.